Being a successful government contractor requires finding actionable information. That is literally one of the most common things that you are going to have to do. It's almost like you need to be a private investigator at some level on everything you do in government contracting from names and email addresses and other contact information that you've got to look up. You've literally got to act like one of those investigators on the crime shows where they have like the big board and they are connecting the red threads to the different pieces of information and things like that to find what you're looking for. That is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how you can think like an analyst or private investigator. I'll tell you, one of the reasons that I feel like I'm really good at research is I know what to look for. And part of that is I also know what not to get distracted by because research is like a rabbit hole. You can go down the research rabbit hole and spend hours upon hours researching stuff. Once you find one little nugget, you're like, oh, what else can I find if I keep looking and digging and digging and digging? And next thing you know, you've wasted a whole day doing research. You've got to know what you're looking for, how to find it, and then how to move on. One of the reasons I feel like I am pretty good at this, at least better than average at it, is I was trained as an analyst in the Army. That's the, the job I was trained to do. I also had some training as a private investigator. That's kind of what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was young. I thought, hey, man, this would be really cool. I'd met this one guy while I was working at a radio station, and he was a private investigator. I thought it was the coolest job in the world, and it was something I wanted to do. So I took some classes on this, got trained and certified how to be a private investigator. Then I joined the Army, wound up going down my own rabbit hole, if you will. But the point is, I think very differently about research. I'm hoping that the podcast today helps you think a little bit differently about research. So I want to get a little cerebral for a minute and talk about what analytical thinking is. And so I wrote this down. So if it sounds like I'm reading because you're not watching, I am sort of reading this a little bit, but I want to define analytical thinking for you a little bit. As I was looking at the actual definitions and kind of looking at all this, I said, hey, this is my definition of analytical thinking. I think this is what, when I think about being an analytical thinker, this is how I would describe it. So analytical thinking refers to the ability to systematically, that's very important, systematically and logically examine information. I could probably stop there, but the next part is also fairly important. Once you do that, you need to break it into components and understand the relationships between those components. This is a process of methodically problem solving, relying on analysis, data interpretation, and logical reasoning to draw conclusions and most importantly, make informed decisions. So that's the cerebral part of this. For me, being able to systematically and logically approach everything I do to examine information, break it down, understand those relationships, that's a huge part of analysis. When you are in the military and you're trying to determine from a intercepted voicemail or text message or whatever, who somebody is, where they are, what they're talking about, who they're connected to, what type of weapons they have. Those are all considerations that you make while you're doing analysis. You're trying to look at the information you have, kind of goes back to that private investigator board that I was talking about earlier, and figure out where you're going to connect that little red piece of thread or string to the next piece of data. Like, how do these things connect? 
that is often the hard part. Like how does this phone number connect to this email address or, or whatever? I'm trying to oversimplify it here. But when we're in the military, a lot of times we only get a little bit of information. Back in my day when I was doing this, there wasn't text messaging and all this. It was radio communications. Somebody would say something on the radio and you would try to figure out well, who's this, who's this talking? Is this person important? What unit are they a part of? Hey, if I can identify the unit, then I could figure out more about what's going on here. And if I can figure out where this came from, I can draw some conclusions about probably where they're going and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of, of figuring out troop movements, which unit was doing what, and you were just breaking that stuff down and we do it over and over and over and over. In our training, that was a huge part of this is we're going to teach you some techniques. You're going to learn the techniques. You're going to apply the techniques. And then we're just going to do this through repetition. That's how you're going to learn a lot of this stuff. I'm today going to teach you some things that I use. And the goal would be you go out and try some of these things and you use them over and over and over. And eventually you'll get really good at doing it and you'll get faster at the research that you're looking for. Because look, here's the thing. When you are looking for things in the government contracting world, a lot of times you're looking for a piece of, I would call it intelligence. You may call it information. That's probably my intel background. You're looking for a piece of information that's going to help you make a decision to bid or not bid a contract. You're looking for a name or a phone number so that you can call a contracting officer or a program manager. You're trying to figure out, hey, this contract over here, is it on a contract vehicle? Is it on set aside? Is it you know, fill in the blank, right? You're trying to figure out something so that you can make a decision. And that's really all it is. It starts with data collection. For me, there aren't a whole lot of places that you need to go to collect data. Did you know we have our own government contracting community? It's called Federal Access. And inside Federal Access, you have all the tools, tips, strategies, documents, templates, everything you're ever gonna need to be a government contractor. But you also get brought into our ecosystem. You get into our private LinkedIn group and you get into our live events and all that kind of thing when you become a member of Federal Access. To learn more, go to federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's get back into this episode. I always look at evaluating like what are the, the relevant data sources that are out there. And look, people are going to tell you the one data source you need is a bid matching system. That's literally all you need. You have your bid matching system. That's all you need. And that's just simply not true. I've found that a lot of bid matching systems have a large amount of information in there, but it doesn't always paint a whole picture and it doesn't always know what information you're looking for. So sometimes you may get a piece of that information. That's why I talk about multiple data sources. The obvious one is a bid matching system. The next most obvious is SAM.gov, USA Spending, but Google is a really good data source. That's a really great place to Google something. I will often Google a contract number. I'll Google someone's name, email address, a contract vehicle. I will Google some piece of information to look for another piece of information because that's often one of the fastest ways to connect me to the next piece of information that I need. So don't underestimate the power of taking what you know, putting it in Google and asking Google to give you something back. In fact, taking that to another level, using ChatGPT to find an answer to something. I really like the power of using different AI tools. Yeah, they're not all going to give you what you need, but again, they're a tool. They're a data source. 
I think one of the, or some of the overlooked data sources are contracting officers, program managers, employees on site, teaming partners. These are all valid data sources. So let's say you are looking for some information on an upcoming contract. The odds of that information being online anywhere are slim to none. The odds that even one of the big brother bid matching tools out there, I won't say their names, but even one of those that calls all these contracting officers may not have that information because you don't know what they asked the CO. There's a good chance they didn't ask them the thing that you need to know. So you need to pick up the phone, call that CO. Call an employee on site and say, hey, I know you're working on this contract with this agency and there's this other contract coming out in the fall. What have you heard? That's not a hard question to ask. Simply taking the time to pick up the phone and connect the dots is often all you need. Understand there are more data sources than SAM, USA Spending, Google, and bid matching tools. The human intelligence piece of this, where you're talking to people, again, CEOs, PMs, employees, teaming partners, there's often a lot of intelligence that you can gather that's not in a database anywhere. No one has put that in a system and said, oh, you know, someone may want to know that no one likes this big prime that's on the contract. No one's going to write that down. No one's going to write that down. That may show up in a report that your people create, but that's not going to show up in some big bid matching systems tool. It's just likely not going to show up there. Calling people, that is a really good source of data collection. The next thing about thinking like an analyst is being able to understand what you're researching. This is the foundation of research. It's understanding like what's the research objective. This goes back to that whole rabbit hole concept. What are you focused on? Because if you're not focused, you could waste a lot of time down in the rabbit hole looking at all kinds of data that while it feels cool is just unnecessary for the stage you're at. You just don't need to be doing it. You need to be getting the piece of information you need and moving on to the next thing. So defining clear research objectives, what am I looking for? I'm looking for a contract number. I'm looking for contract vehicle. I'm looking for a phone number, an email address, whatever it may be. You need to very clearly identify what the research objective is and not just do blind at length research for no reason. Think about that. There are two types of what I would consider research goals. So there's the macro and the micro. The macro is your bigger goal. I'm always trying to build my pipeline. So if I'm researching, I'm probably researching some way to help build my pipeline. The micro goal is I'm looking for a phone number. I'm looking for a contact name. That's it. Understand your research goals before you get in and that'll make it a lot easier. The next thing is being able to identify valuable information while you're doing research that will make it easier. Even when you're talking to people, you're going to come across a lot of information that doesn't necessarily seem important at the time, but understanding how to identify it is really, really important. So if I call the CEO and I said, hey, I'm calling about this thing in their forecast, it's supposed to drop in the fall. Are you still planning on doing that? And they say, yeah, we're probably going to do that in the fall. It may push to Q2 of next year. Not really sure. We're thinking about doing it on this contract vehicle or that contract vehicle. And they give you a few other little tidbits about it. And then you say, hey, is there anything else going on that I should know about? Maybe something smaller. And oh, yeah, yeah, we've got this one small project. These are probably all going to be under simplified acquisition. What we're hoping is that if you're interested in this other one, maybe you'll chase this one too. And they just start talking to you about what's going on. All of that can help you determine whether you're going to chase the big contract or not, whether you need a teaming partner or not. 
there's little nuggets in what they say that can help you determine, you know what, this is a lot bigger than I thought. This is a lot more work than I thought. Maybe we need to hire someone to run this capture process or you know this proposal, or maybe we need to hire a certain type of engineer because we don't have the qualified staff because after hearing it out of the CEO's mouth, this is a lot more difficult than I anticipated. There's different things like that that you need to take note of so that as you are pursuing that opportunity, you can make better decisions about how you do it. So you need to be able to identify valuable information. Almost everything someone says is valuable in some way. It's an indication of what they like, what they don't like, what they're looking for in a contractor, what they're not looking for, timetables, contract vehicles, preferences for small business statuses, preferences for doing something under simplified acquisition versus sole source. There's all those different things that they may hint towards that could be valuable information as you're building a strategy to chase an RFP or even to respond to an RFI or to shape the RFP through a capability brief. There's a lot of things like that you need to take note of, you need to put in your CRM and use later on in the process, which comes to my next one is taking action on valuable information. If somebody says something about an opportunity you've never heard of, what should you do? You should put it in your pipeline to start tracking it. You should then set up a capability brief based on what they've said. Your capability brief should focus uniquely on those concepts so that it's not just a generic capability brief, but it's about the big opportunity coming in Q2 and those couple of smaller opportunities that are dropping in between that. You want to get strategic about how you take action on that information. Maybe you need to put together a team and it's not going to be easy. You may need six months to put together this team. So you need to start now. But taking action on valuable information is the next piece of this because it doesn't do you any good if you just catalog all this information. You've actually got to take action on it in some way, shape or form. The next one here, as I kind of round out the podcast a little bit, this one talks about developing your training skills. If you want to become a better analyst, a better researcher, I recommend working on this. There are some simple things that you can do. One, just take the things that I've shared with you already and practice those things. Practice looking for specific things like, hey, I'm going to pull up a contract, whether it's maybe using the SAM database or I'm going to use USA Spendings database. I'm going to pull up a contract number and I'm going to see how much information I can find out about this. Okay, so who's the incumbent? Who are their subs? Do they have any subs? Or where else is this incumbent at the agency? Like what other contracts? do they have and kind of look at those types of things. Is this a contract vehicle? How do I identify that? I don't know if you know, but those first six digits in a contract number will tell you what contract vehicle it's on. And as you get good at that, my friend Rich Ernest is really good at that. And he has a spreadsheet that he uses about it that he shared with us. When you get really good at this, you can look at those first six digits and realize, hey, this is this contract vehicle or that contract vehicle. But if you don't know that initially, you've got to find that information. So being able to find that is really good. So I recommend practicing looking at those sorts of things and figuring it out. The way I, I kind of look at a contract is almost like, again, back to the private investigator, as you're looking at building a profile. Let's consider it like one of those criminal profiles, right? The suspect profile where you don't even know what they look like, but you know, you know, the crime they've committed and you're trying to fill in all the blanks about them 
in order to track this person down. It's the same thing when it comes to a contract. You've got a little bit of information and you're trying to fill in a handful of the blanks. So who's the contracting officer on this? Doesn't say that in USA Spending. You got to go find that. You can find that by pulling up the database in SAM.gov. Now you know which contracting officer it was. What office is that person out of? What's their phone number? What's their email address? What's their LinkedIn profile? You can find all these things if you just look. Identify one thing you want to research and then start filling in the blanks of the things that you want to know. It starts with asking the question, what do I want to know about this contract? That's it. What do I want to know about this contract? If you want to deeply develop your research skills, your analytical skills, one of the things that I highly recommend, and I know this is going to sound a little funny, is those little puzzle books that you see in grocery stores. They have them sometimes at the checkout or sometimes they'll have like a magazine section and they'll have these puzzle books. And a lot of times they'll have like the cryptogram ones. So it'll be like word search type fill in things that you do. And sometimes it's decoding things. It just helps you think in a different way where you're putting the information together by saying, oh, I, I need to figure out what this is. And based on what I see here, there's only so many three-letter words with an I in them or a T in them or whatever it may be, right? And it just helps your brain wire itself in a way to look at information differently. The puzzle books, the cryptograms, those are really, really good ways to kind of train your brain on this stuff. And then the last couple of points I'll make about getting better at it is recognize and challenge assumptions. Just because you see something and it looks on the surface like that's the way it is, use data to verify it instead of just saying, hey, that's what something is. I like to analyze information objectively and say, hey, this is what I think, but I'm trying to prove that through my research. My last point here is don't complicate this. You, you hear me say this all the time, but don't complicate this. You don't need 10 bid matching systems to figure out stuff. If you use one, that's great. You don't even have to buy a bid matching system. I've never used a bid matching system. I've never purchased a bid matching system in the 24 years I've been doing government contracting. Never owned one. I do recommend a handful that are in the market. There's some really good tools out there. They make it easier. But again, I'm a natural researcher, private investigator type mindset. I don't necessarily need that type of tool. If you do, let me know. I can make some recommendations. I hope this podcast was helpful. If you have any questions about being a better researcher or analyst, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next episode. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast and screenshot it and tag me on LinkedIn or whatever social media you use. So thank you again for joining us today and we'll see you next time.